Hello and welcome to the Tillage Edge with me, Michael Hennessy. This is your regular update for all your tillage news and advice. The birds are singing today and tractors are rolling in fields all across the country. Ground is drying out slowly and lighter ground is good enough to travel, with some fields probably good enough to plant this week or early next week. This week we hosted the first in a series of crop agronomy webinars and this episode covered winter barley, winter oats and preparing for sowing beans and barley for the coming season. As with other sessions, the questions asked by farmers during the webinar are worth listening to again. Shay Phelan, a specialist in Chagas, chaired an expert panel of Mark Plunkett, Kieran Collins, Stephen Kilday, all from Chagas, for the first round of the questions. Shay first asked Mark Plunkett about the first timing of nitrogen in oats. You know, conditions are improving, Shay, soil temperatures are rising, soils are drying out, the forecast is good, so it is a good time to be looking at peas and k's and getting out that 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 early nitrogen or that, that first bit of nitrogen there on winter row crops. Yeah, so we're just, there's no panic just yet, Mark. I think they can get other get out the other crops there at the moment. Yeah. And in terms of Mark as well, in terms of P and K, we know oats is quite a good crop to mine P and K from the soils. Um is it is it necessary to get out those those full requirements that Larry was talking about? I mean he was talking about 140 kilos of potash onto soils. Is that is that critical to get out that much? I think so. I think so, Shay. On, on the lower index soils, your index ones, index twos, most definitely they would be priority to be getting out, you know, a supply of P and K at this stage to, to feed the crop and, you know, keep it going um, over the coming weeks and coming months. But definitely the low index soils, absolutely uh, get those P's and K's out. In terms of, thanks, Mark. In terms of P jars, Kieran, I mean, um, we have we have varieties there that are, that are you know, they're, they're only okay in terms of standing ability. How critical is it to get those timings correct for PGRs to get, to get them on correctly? Um, I suppose, Shay, very important, but I suppose it's, it's like anything, assessing the risk is, is number one. So variety, you know, you're going to be looking at variety. So if you're looking at Barra, which obviously is poor standing ability versus something like Isabel, which would be, would be quite good. I suppose that's, that's the first thing. Secondly is the soil fertility. And especially the, the total nitrogen used. And as, as Larry said there, obviously increasing nitrogen rate does decrease quality, but certainly increasing nitrogen increases lodging risk as well. So I think look, making the assessment, um, as Connor said, I mean, work that John Finnan did in Oak Park like would have shown that a, a split growth regulation program uh, works effectively at growth stage 30 and, and growth stage 32. Um, and I, I know from the work that John did, like where the lodging risk was very high, he did find that a triexy pack uh, with a litre of cycocell at both 30 and 32 was very, very effective. But, you know, you can use, and I suppose especially when conditions are a bit cooler at the moment, you know, certainly something like cycocell with an adjuvant or the likes of C-Rate can be very useful at that 30 timing, you know. But I suppose in summary, look, that 32 one really is when you will get the, I suppose, the maximum shortening effect. And just if I could also say, Shay, as well, just in terms of to be careful in terms of the total rates of cycocell used, you know, um, you know, we we don't want to exceed MRLs or anything like that. So I suppose that's something that growers should keep in mind as well. Yeah. And Connor mentioned there as well, Kieran, about temperatures at the time of, 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 of applying some of these products and he's talking about you know having good growth conditions both before and afterwards how critical is that and does that would that influence your choice of products 
Uh, certainly would, yeah. And it would also influence tank mixing as well, you know. And I suppose the other thing, you know, obviously, if you've got poor growth, the growth regulator is just not going to work very well. I suppose that's the that's the main point. And also, I suppose I wouldn't be panicking, just rushing out to crops. If I go out today and my, my crop is at growth stage 30, you know, I, I'm not putting the sprayer on straight away. You know, growth is is poor at the moment. So that crop is, is going to stay at growth stage 30 for quite a while. So like Connor said, ideally wait for that that burst of growth to come the growth regulator will will work better then in that case yeah and i suppose just one you mentioned it earlier on karen there the difference between said lakes of isabel and and uh, barra is two extremes really in terms of standing power and standing ability would you alter your strategy f- to take account for either or I, I think I would, but as you said, the variety ratings are, are, are important, but also the total nitrogen as well. You know, certainly there, there's a little bit more scope to, to, to reduce applications a little bit on the, the better standing varieties. OK, so Steve, just to move on, Stephen, um, on the disease side of, of, of the house, um, Mark mentioned there that two, a couple of our key ingredients are gone, so the epoxyconazole is not going to be around uh, and the morphines are gone as well. What sort of strategy should guys be looking at in the early season in terms of getting control of mildew uh, and crown rust? I suppose, look, as Mark rightly rightly highlighted, the first the first thing you should be doing is looking at the variety that is actually been grown. Um, and look, being honest, look, a lot of what will be in the ground will be husky, a bit of Isabella, a bit of Barra, and they will have a certain level of susceptibility. Look, Barra itself would be very susceptible to both of those diseases. Uh, husky also, maybe Isabella a little better. There are some other varieties there where, look, mildew mightn't be a concern, rust potentially would be a concern. So really it is to start at that IPM at the very, very start, know what what variety has gone in um, and look at the risks from there on. Uh, and that's going to come back down to getting into crops, seeing is there mildew present, is there rust potentially present um, and the weather conditions that are going to prevail from now on. Like the weather at the moment is almost ideal for those type of diseases to a certain extent. It's a little bit cooler, so maybe the, the rust may not be as big a concern, the mildew definitely. But as that temperature increases during the day, both of them potentially could take off. So you're going to have to look at it from that aspect and, and match almost the risk within the specific crop to that. Look, as, as Mark rightly sort of identified, um, there's a number of actives there. Some of them have strengths, some of them have weaknesses, and it's going to come back to then matching that to whether the disease is present or if it's there at a very low level, you're going to be looking at a lot of protected activity. Um, and if it's if it's active and there's a lot there, for mildew specifically I'm thinking of here, you're going to need a lot of curativity and you're going to have to go with specific mildew sites. And it's going to be, it's very important that you understand that you're going to have preventative activity and specific mildew sites such as Thalias, for example, would be very preventative, but it's curativity, it won't have that curativity. And if there's active mildew in that crop, it won't be able to knock that back. So you're going to have to, to match the, the pressure to the chemicals that are going out. Look, uh, he, he, he mentioned that he, uh, the first application would be for thio uh, and a strob based. Exactly. There's where a case where, look, you will get good mildew control from the prothio. And if there is any rust potentially going to come in, you'll get that protective. Okay, so you're assuming at that stage that there won't be a huge amount of either of those diseases there and you'll be able to, to work with that going forward. Again, mixing and matching depending on the, the, the activity of the disease, the variety, etc. Um, and, and that's what's really important. In the curative situation then, Stephen, if, if, if a guy goes out and finds that there is a lot of mildew there and maybe even crown rust, a lot of crown rust tends to come in later in the season. But if there is both of those there, what's the kind of, what's the kind of advice? 
Yeah, so look, I would say, look, if there's Mildred there, look, he could be looking, or they could be looking at some uh, Mildred sites such as Midas, Midas that would have the, that knockback activity. Pronia itself would also have knockback activity. Mightn't be, it wouldn't be regarded as a specific Mildred site per se, but it is actually quite, quite good. So that from the Mildred perspective is going to be very important. If you then have a, a, a case, and I think probably, a, a, as you mentioned, you won't be a huge amount of rust uh, potentially there. It may be a case that if there really was rust, you'd have to start to look at something that would have good curativity against rust. Look, that would be a case of looking at tebuconazole now at this stage because you mentioned that epoxy, epoxy, look, there is a use up until the, till, I think later in this year, but there's probably not going to be a huge amount of that around. And you would also then have a concern for other crops, whether if you have a bit of epoxy, whether they, they should be looked at other crops. So there is a, is a case there that it would be tebuconazole would be the active for, for rust if it is active at this stage. But I, I suppose, as you mentioned, Mildred probably would be the one that would be one, more of a concern. Most people be chasing, yeah. exactly. Quick question, Mark, to you. I just see it after coming in here on, on the screen here about nitrogen. And Larry was talking about limiting nitrogen a little bit. Um, and the question here is that there's very little reward for a good KPH. Uh, would you be better off um, kind of ignoring it, really, and just driving on the crop with nitrogen? Uh, you, 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 I suppose the big risk there, Shay, is, is lodging. Like, you know what I mean? That you're, again, the crop be more prone to disease. You're leaving the crops after. Like, um, I suppose oats are a crop that, you know, from the work that has been done in Oak Park there, they haven't a big nitrogen requirement like our wheats and our barleys or our winter crops. So, like, you know, you're, you're probably hitting somewhere around, you know, somewhere around 120, 150 in terms of optimum end for yield. And then, once you go above that, you're also reducing grain quality and, and that probably feeds back into affecting grain yield as well. So I suppose really it's, 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 you're trying to control lodging, you know, that reduce the risk that you have a harvestable crop come harvest time. Yeah, and just two final questions, guys. One for Stephen and one for Kieran before we go. Stephen, just to you, we see a question coming in here. The infill between G gross days 30 and 32 can often be quite short. Would you as well have to lay your fungicide up first fungicide until growth stage 32? Well, this is all going to come back down to the pressures that are going to be in that crop. Um, if that mildew basically is allowed to, to develop, it will be difficult to get on top of that later on, even with those very curative actives, because you're going to have that bigger canopy uh, developing. And I suppose that microclimate potentially lower down in that crop. So in that sort of scenario, look, if there is a risk, I would be looking at that preventative application at that stage. And that isn't, I suppose, as harsh or as heavy potentially there. Um, but definitely it will be that risk of actually allowing something in and then trying to chase it afterwards. Okay, and last question then, just on this section then, Kieran, for you, would you include an aphicide at gross stage 30 with a PGR? Uh, short answer, Shay, is no. Um, and I suppose looking at putting on the IPM hat, I suppose oats is generally sown later, uh, would be first thing. So that's, that's, that's one thing. The weather this winter, if you look at it, it's, it's been wet and, and largely cold. So again, the, you know, aphid migration in, wouldn't have, you know, extended into the the early part of the winter. So I, in my opinion, the risk would be low. It's always side by side, but in general, I would say no. For the second round of questions, the panel was joined by Elaine Clifford from Chagas. The questions in this section centered around winter barley and she first asked a question to Mark Plunkett again about the key criteria before applying nitrogen to winter barley. We're getting into the season now where the, we'll be pulling out the fertilizer spreader, setting up, calibrating it. Um, I suppose just, I suppose in terms of using, especially the nitrogen um, as efficiently as possible, um, it's very, very important that 
you know, we move, you know, we talk about three conditions in terms of the soil and the weather. So soil temperature should be above, you know, five and a half, six degrees. Um, also soil stability. So soil conditions are improving as we speak. And then a good forecast, Jay, that, you know, that we have a, an improving forecast. So I suppose they are, I suppose, three little things maybe to have in our heads or three boxes to tick before we actually start moving, especially with nitrogen. And it's, it's you know, it's it's really from the point of view that, that nitrogen is very mobile and can be easily lost. But as we speak, conditions are improving on all three fronts. So if, if soils are wet and there's water lying in, in tram lines or something like that, that should stay out of them for the time being, Mark, would that be the fair assessment? Ideally, Shay, if, if soils are wet, they're going to be cold, they're going to be little growth. Um, and I suppose the other t- big thing at the minute, as Kierden was saying there, you know what I mean? You know, I suppose, you know, soil, there's very little demand for nitrogen there at the minute. So, yes, if, if field conditions are poor, most definitely hold off on those on those fields um, with, with that early nitrogen because it is still early. You know what I mean? It's only the, it's only the, sec- the second of March. Yeah. Okay. Thanks, Mark. And look at this questions coming in and encourage people to send in more questions via the Q&A tab there at the bottom of the screen. Question here for you, Elaine, in terms of weed control. A lot of crops haven't got, well, not a lot of crops, but some crops at this stage still haven't got any weed control put on them. Uh, So what's the options out there for winter barley at the moment? Um, yeah, so John Brophy talked about it in our last webinar, Shay, um, and I think you touched on it as well. But the situation hasn't really changed since there's been very little opportunity to um, apply a herbicide to crops with all the wet weather we've had and very little growth as well, like Kieran said earlier. So we kind of have two scenarios, either a tidy up um, on winter barley that did get an application of herbicide in the autumn or it's no application of herbicide yet. So at this stage, like the window for applying an autumn herbicide to winter barley to um, control annual meadowgrass is very narrow in the springtime anyway. Um, and we've probably um, exceeded that window at this stage now for um, use of flipsanacet or pendimethylin um, as the annual meadowgrass has tillers. So that that option is gone now at this stage so you're looking at when growth starts when it kicks off as growth rates are quite low especially down in in Munster at the minute anyway and switching over to a spring um, weed control program Um, and just I suppose the message doesn't change go out and assess your crops and see what weeds you you're dealing with and using your field history then as well to know what your problem weeds are um, but I suppose just looking at a program like a sulfonylurea with um, a suitable mixer partner with it, so something like maybe uh, Cameo Max um, and Zypar or Pixar or Hurler um, or so on. Um, and then, like I said, with problem weeds, I'd have a few clients um, that would have a problem with resistant chickweed. So just to bear in mind then to avoid the sulfonylureas in, in those cases um, and to use something like the Pixar or Hurler would be good on, on resistant weeds like that. And then with wild oats, our two options are Axel Pro and Avena Nova. Um, but just to bear in mind the rates that you're using there as well, to use appropriate rates um, in particular for overwintered oats um, or where you, you um, expect a bit of resistance um, to keep the rates up at the 0.6 to 0.82 litres per hectare there. 
Yeah, and I, you mentioned in the video, Elaine, and I think it's a good comment. I mean, the fact that guys haven't got herbicides on now is probably going to complicate programs a little bit where they're trying to get on, as you say, wild low control, PGRs, disease control, so and, and maybe even trace elements. So they probably need to be careful with those. Would you what have they would you advise to split those applications or what would you what would you encourage yeah, guys to I'd do? Say- Definitely um, a word of caution there anyway, because I suppose there's a lot to do in crops in the next couple of weeks um, and not to be overloading the tank anyway. You don't want to put the, the crop under under extra stress. Yeah, and just a quick comment, I suppose, from your crops down south, different to ones up around here. Any comments on tiller numbers, shoot numbers are the higher or lower than, than what you would like? Um, I suppose in some crops the shoot numbers are a bit lower than um, we would have expected. Like um, we've said a couple of times, growth has been quite slow and we have had a wet winter um, and growth rates are still slow even up to this week. Um, so I suppose there's not as many shoots in some crops. Like what I'm seeing is the later sown crops are crops that were sown in maybe less ideal conditions or sites um, tend to have maybe um, their short maybe a, a tiller. So um, I suppose the priority for those crops would be to get nutrition right um, going forward now over the next week or two um, and to get your NP and K and your trace elements uh, right on those crops to, to maximise your yield potential. Okay, thanks. Thanks, Elaine, for that. Kieran. just moving on to you then. In, in, in terms of PGR strategies then, I mean, uh, um, Owen was talking about PGR strategies and quite often the debate comes up about uh, conventional varieties versus hybrid varieties. Have mm. you any preferences or, or 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 strategies in your mind that guys should be thinking of? Yeah, I, I suppose. Look, the, the first thing obviously is you, you you treat each variety and its merits. You know, as as um, we've alluded to already. You know, referring to recommended list obviously gives you a good guy of the straw characteristics of each variety. So that's the first stop. But you know, I saw Paul Fox doing a shoe count there as well, and I think that's a, a crucial thing to do. You know. Uh, where you have high shoot counts, you're, you're obviously your, your your risk is going to be higher, and and obviously the the nitrogen rates is the same as what we were talking about in the old. So again, look, it's 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 making that assessment really, you know, and then you know I suppose um, a split growth regulation application certainly works well in winter barley where the lodging risk is high, you know, in at that 30 31 timing, you know, likes of Trixipac, your Modus, Midex Max, those type mixes good to strengthen the base of the crop and that. But look, if you're looking for, you know, if you have a tall variety with high nitrogen and you're looking for straw shortening, certainly, you know, the likes of your Saron Turple there from 32 to Flagleaf really does, does is, is, is what will shorten the crop. And again, I suppose a lot of the same stuff that we covered in oats, you know, grow, growing conditions are, are absolutely crucial as well. You know, so again, good growth, good uptake. Yeah. Yeah. And a quick, quick question there from Ronan Galway there. Um, can you mix PGRs given the given the mixes that are going to have to be done with mm. guys this year? Can you mix PGRs and wild oat herbicides in the same tank mix? Yeah, again, I, I, I'd be just very cautious. Um, Elaine kind of covered it well there. I mean, there is like you could potentially have wild oats. You could have broadleaf weed tidy up. You could have uh, PGR and I'm sure Stephen is going to talk about early disease control as well. You just cannot put all of those things into the one tank, um, you know, at this time of year. You know, growth just isn't isn't good enough. So I think I, I, I would tend to try and do the weeds and wild oats early because uh, they'll compete with the crop, you know, um, and increasing weed size can be difficult to control. I would try to do that. 
and maybe try and get your your your, your PGR done with maybe your first fungicide timing if if there is a requirement for an early fungicide, you know. Okay, and um, that moves on nicely to Stephen. Then Stephen, in terms of fungicide strategy for winter barley, again, what would your advice be to guys out there at the moment? Yeah, well, actually, I, I'll start with what Elaine and, and Kieran are, are talking about in terms of don't stress the crop. I think when I hear that all what all has to be done, the one disease that starts to spring to mind isn't an early season isn't disease, but it's actually late season, and that's Ramularia. And a, a lot of those tank mixes potentially, if you're putting too much in there, will stress the crop and will have a could well have a negative impact later on. Um, so that's look, it just sort of uh, sort of confirms or agrees with what what the guys are saying in terms of early season disease. Um, it was interesting to see the different sort of crops uh, across the country and even within the same area. And this has a big impact on, their, on, on that early season disease. Look, um, reality is we, we want that 1,000 to 1,200 plants, our, our heads. Um, and to get that, we're going to have to make sure in some of those crops that every tiller that emerges, even from now on, is kept. And that will be critical from an early season disease. Um, sort of some of those wet weather diseases that Mike is sort of talking about down there in, in Cork, the Rhynchosporium, could easily knock out some of those emerging tillers. They really, it's almost about making sure that they're cared for uh, going forward. Um, some crops that'll have huge number of tillers, you'd argue, okay, any more that's going to emerge, I mightn't be as concerned about. So early season disease, look, if you if you have to go early, again, it's going to be the diseases you're going to be targeting, your your mildew, your Rhynchosporium, uh, potentially an outblotch, I'd say it's probably a, a little bit later, potentially, Ramularia going to be later. So you're talking about those, those really those two primarily. Not to say that net blotch won't come in because we know the spot form in net blotch has caused havoc on some varieties of, of late in the last number of years. The actives that are going to be required, look, it, we can't look beyond to a certain extent. Proline or prothio based are a very important component in that in that mix. But we need to make sure that it isn't just a sole component. And uh, we need to make sure that we're trying to manage that with another active, uh, be that a strob or be that an SDHI. And that's going to come back down to the variety. Um, and again, it's, it's exactly what I would have been saying in the oats, looking at the variety, looking at the strengths, looking at its weaknesses and matching those with the strengths and weaknesses of the different actives. Uh, is it protective activity that's only going to be required or are you going to be looking for curativity? There's actually a, quite a bit of disease there that you need to stop at this stage going forward. Um, as I say, look, it is going to be prothio based with uh, an azole or with an STHI or a strob, sorry. Sorry, and I just, I'm conscious of time now, Stephen, but... And to move on to the next section, but is the reliance on Prothio something that you would be concerned about? Undoubtedly, look, undoubtedly it would be uh, because we can see, I can see it going into the programme in, in, in nearly every application to a certain extent. Um, and we do know, look, as, as we apply more of these chemistries, we are going to put it under more pressure. It has been a, a great molecule in barley for the last almost 15 years, if not more at this stage. So we need to make sure that we can continue to make it or bring it forward. It's, it's, it's an excellent molecule in barley. Um, so we just need to manage it as best we possibly can. And that's going to be with the mixed partner and using it where it's going to be required and only when it's required. The final set of questions was around spring beans and spring barley. The panel was joined by John Pettit from Chagas. Shay's first question was to John around bean seeding rates, which were used last year. I suppose first, Shay, it comes back to the simple fact that research has found that the optimum number of plants per square metre is 30 to 35 plants per square metre, and that doesn't really change. And I suppose last year, if you, if you wind the clock back, when you think about uh, crops were drilled into exceptionally good seedbed conditions. And when you were working out your seeding rate, you might have accounted for maybe, I would have mentioned 5 to 10% field losses, 
And whereas in reality last year, because seed went into exceptional conditions, seed losses were very, very small. And as a result, she ended up with a slightly higher plant stand than what you've anticipated when you're doing your calculations. But at the same time, that said, I would sooner see a crop slightly on the thicker side than on the thinner side, Che. And in terms then, John, as well as that, beans, weed control beans can often be tricky. Have you any kind of tips there for guys in terms of how they can maximize their weed controlling beans? I suppose like last year, if you wind the clock back again, um, it was an issue with some people. There was probably more brazagran used last year than any other year. Um, and again, I suppose it came down to prolonged dry spells. So residual um, herbicides are not going to work as well in those sort of conditions. But I suppose, guys, um, it comes back to the principles of weed control, particularly with residuals. It's a matter of knowing what weeds are going to be present in the field. So you need to go back to field history. Um, and know what's going to come at you. And I suppose importantly then, the, uh, the product that you apply or a combination of products need to be given every chance as well. So you don't want cloddy seed beds to start with. Um, you would sooner see a, a consolidated seed bed or a, roll, or a field that is rolled. Um, herbicide will work better in those conditions. And also when you're applying the chemical itself that it's applied in, in a, a medium spray um, particle, but also if you actually have soil moisture, it'll actually enhance the deposition or the distribution of the, the active ingredient over the soil surface. And I suppose finally, um, individuals could consider using a wetting agent such as Torpedo 2 um, or Activator 90, which will also enhance the deposition of the active ingredient over the soil surface as well. Yeah, and I think there's a, there's a, there's a point there as well that for, for grass weed control, it does offer a good chance to control some of those tricky grass weeds, especially have wild oats or sterile bromes and stuff like that. It is it is a good opportunity to control those as well. Yep, okay, so look, is. thanks, John, for that. Mark, just to move over to him, um, and while we talk about NPs and Ks, one of the one of the issues that Martin McCullough brought up there in Donegal is manganese. Um, what's the most effective way, do you think, of dealing with manganese in spring barley crops? Yeah, yeah, manganese, um, I suppose, firstly, the shame, uh, or shade to say is that manganese or spring barley is quite sensitive to manganese and if you're on soils that are very very low um i look i suppose a, a foliar option is probably the best you could consider maybe a little bit of manganese going in on, on the fertilizer just on very deficient sites to kick things off because manganese is it's very important in terms of rooting and tillering but then you must follow in of maybe a foliar application or two to, to feed that crop because what happens the manganese on the fertilizer say is that it can get fixed or locked up in the soil very 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 quickly so i would not be depending on the fertilizer to supply all my manganese um you know during the growing season because the soil just has an, a, a massive ability to fix or lock up that that um, manganese a little bit different than say copper or zinc, where you can build or feed a lot of the copper and zinc, you know, through the soil or through the fertilizer. But I would say definitely if you get a little bit on the seed bed, either to the fertilizer or even a, a seed dressing, if if you know if, if that's possible, and then follow through with with foliar applications to coincide with maybe your weed sprays and your maybe your first fungicide share. Okay, thanks, Mark. And, and I think I suppose it's it's an it's an important element from the point of view, as you say, from from tiller and keeping tillers alive. And we're we're trying all the time to keep tillers alive, and we kind of sometimes can forget about the, the trace element part. Yeah, well. I, I think that early feeding shade is very very important because, like as as Shane said, like spring barley is very dependent on grain number. So you know that first three to six weeks is critical in the in the I suppose that spring barley phase of development that you supply 
you know, any limiting nutrients in that phase because you're laying down the foundation in terms of yield, both in rooting and in tillering. Okay, thanks, Mark. Kieran, a quick question for you there. I see it here on the screen here. In terms of uh, aphid control measures, uh, where crops are coming out of, say, catch crops or cover crops, what is the advice in terms of managing those aphid populations for a spring barley crop? Um, I suppose we're talking about green, what we call uh, green bridge transmission there, Shay. But I suppose the important point to remember um, is the grain aphids, the overwintering grasses and volunteer cereals. So I suppose in relation to the question there, uh, it depends what's in that cover crop, you know. Uh, if it's a brassica base, for example, grain aphids won't uh, overwinter there, so the risk is is quite low. But if you're in a situation where there's maybe a lot of grasses or, or volunteer cereals, well, that, that risk is, is, is certainly higher. And I suppose to eliminate that green bridge and leave as wide a possible gap between that and an actual sowing uh, is important. You know, aphids can can survive for a period of time underground. So even though we're pushing into to obviously we're into March at this stage, so the opportunities are a little bit limited. But certainly, breaking that 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 link between we'll say the grass weeds or volunteer cereals and actually sowing the crop or maybe even delay. Well, delaying obviously has implications at the other side, but you know, if you, if you are concerned, um, certainly the breaking that green bridge is important. Okay. Stephen, if you wouldn't mind turning on your microphone there, uh, just a quick question on diseases in beans. What should guys be looking out for? I'm not going to go into spring barley because we'll be back doing spring barley diseases again, but in terms of beans, what, what sort of, what, what diseases should we be looking at and what's their yeah. programs? I suppose the main the main disease that we would probably be looking at are something like chocolate spot um, and some rust. Rust maybe even a little bit later in the season than the chocolate spot. And as also as John mentioned, to be downy mildew. They're really the the three diseases that are, are going to impact. Um, the, I suppose chocolate spot is probably the one that will cause most impact. The downy mildew will look very, very bad and it'll, it, it can take patches of the field, but it generally wouldn't be the whole field that would be affected. The chocolate spot, once it gets going, it can be very, very, very aggressive um, and it can produce an awful amount of inoculum. So really, they're, they're the diseases that we'd be looking at. Uh, timing of applications of products then will be around the, the start of flowering and stuff like that. Um, the downy mildew, you would have to probably get into crops to see it being honest but and it as i say may look worse than actually what it will do in terms of impact yeah and look we can address those issues yeah. later in the season as well two quick questions i'm just kind of conscious of time here but kieran two quick questions and they're kind of really kind of in your bunker really you were talking about pgrs in winter barley earlier on uh turple if used as a pgr would you prefer to use it at, at gross stage 32 or closer to 39 um, 32 to 39 is is very short window. Uh, if I was to give it an option, I would kind of say growth stage 37 is kind of ideal. And I know from research that was done, you know, in good growing conditions um, at growth stage 37, um, you can take up to 15 centimetres off the crop at that stage. So in around 37, I would say is probably perfect. Yeah. And a final question here to yourself or John or, or, or Elaine or, or Mark even. Uh, why low control in winter barley? Is it too early to go on now? Um, some spring spring emerging wild oats could still come up. Any comments? 
Uh, yeah, I can take it, I suppose. Um, yeah, look, you're 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 relying on by going early, you're relying on crop competition after that. Um, you're not going to have soil disturbance. So I would think on balance, you're probably better off a little bit earlier because weed size is is hugely important, you know, and wild oats will get more difficult to control. We obviously have a winter species and a spring germinator. The spring germinator obviously is the dominant species in Ireland, but still I think if you can get in and control the wild oats that are there, say in in in, in March you know, crop competition after that should, unless the problem is really bad in the field, um, should that, that the crop competition after that should should keep them out. So that's it for the Tillage Edge this week, and my thanks to Shay and all the contributors to the webinar. The next episode in a series of crop agronomy webinars is on Tuesday, April the 6th at 11.30am. For more details, go to chagas.ie forward slash events. Don't forget, if you like this podcast, then recommend it to a friend or colleague. And as always, rate, review and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Spotify so you never miss an episode. And for more farming news, go to chagas.ie. I'm Michael Hennessy. Thanks for listening. I'll be back next week with more tillage news and advice.